I'm Jamie Savak. And I'm Lisa Paradis. And this is the 110% Parks and Rec podcast. Tackling the most important issues and answering the biggest questions in the industry. Welcome to the 110% Parks and Rec podcast. My name's Matt. I'm from Amelia. And I'm joined by stars of our show. From 110%, we have Jamie Subak. Hi, Jamie. Hey, man. How are you? <laughs> we have Lisa Parody. How are you, dear? Hi. Great. Nice to see you. Oh, it's fabulous to see you both. Thank you so much for coming in and doing the show. This is the first part of our multi-part series, Parks and Rec. We're going to be talking about some of the biggest issues in the industry. We're going to be answering some of the big questions, some of the tough questions. And I know that you guys are uh, very uh, interested in a lot of forward thinking in the industry. You guys are ready to go with, with a lot of these questions. So... Let's just jump right in. The first part we're tackling today is Parks and Rec, how we got here. And, you know, Jamie, I've heard you speak of this before. So Parks and Rec, take me from a point in, you know, our relatively recent history. Let's say from like the 50s or 60s, what Parks and Rec used to be like versus what it's like now. Well, let's go back in time. Um, Some folks, I think, are pretty familiar with the fact that our profession obviously has a a long history. You know, we go back hundreds of years to Boston Common. Um, But if we're going to start, you know, thinking about parks and recreation post-World War II, it was an interesting time in our history because we went from really being the providers of public parkland to being... Um, expected to provide recreation services in communities. Uh, We saw uh, the birth of recreation centers and heightened expectations around uh, recreation programs and activities, uh, day camps and yoga classes and sports leagues. And it was a time when government was rather fat. You know, we had money in the bank to pay for those kinds of things. And people began to expect that their tax dollars were going to pay for those kinds of services. And as time went on and we got into the 80s and 90s, there were heightened expectations. Um, The money was certainly there, but we started to question the integrity of us providing something for everyone at that point. And unfortunately, if we, you know, fast forward into the 2000s, post-2001, and of course, what we all know happened in our country, uh, the early part of what ended up being the Great Recession, um, we had all these expectations now established for us. We were going to be recreation center providers and aquatic facility providers and day camp providers, yet um, government wasn't quite as fat as it once was. We started to see declining tax revenues, mm-hmm. less money in the bank. People did not want to pay more for services, but their expectations were still pretty high. We were still supposed to provide something for everyone. And what we find ourselves in now is a rather complex, unfortunate situation where we have heightened expectations in terms of what park and recreation systems are supposed to be. Um, and we have less resources to provide those services. So it's a, it's a complex challenge, certainly. Um, and at the same time, it's really an opportunity in terms of how we begin to think differently about providing services in our country. Lisa, what about you? You've been a professional in this industry for over 25 years. Uh, How has Parks and Rec changed from where you sit, and has it changed for the better? Has it changed for the worse? Is there a little bit of both in there? Well, there definitely is a little bit of both. Um, I wouldn't say for the worse. Uh, 
it's it's just very different than it was. And I think, as Jamie just outlined, the expectations are very different. Um, and, and I would definitely uh, mirror what Jamie says a bit, but also kind of give it a little bit of a sociological background, too. And, and I think what happened also was a, was a cultural thing. And it was, a, it was a, a, an effort um, or a, a necessity in American families um, or in North American families is, is uh, as we know them, that um, there was a there was a need for a dual income family, and um, and I think that that impacted a lot of the a lot of the service delivery that was um, part of what parks and recreation used to be. So it wasn't just um, there wasn't just this sort of um, uh, open access, um, and and I think that uh, people. The, the expectation of what uh, parks and recreation agencies uh, started to um, have on them was a little bit enhanced from the fact that parents needed to really kind of find place things for their kids to do after school, right. places for their kids, and then the, the burden on um, open space and facilities became um, became greater as time went on. And and I think as Jamie sort of outlined too, the the, the industry itself, you know, nothing has changed really about the mission of what a public park and recreation agency wants to deliver in terms of service. Mm -hmm. It's really how we go about it. Right. And it's how we actually um, perform that and pay for that ultimately. And I think we really haven't kept up with the times uh, or with the realities of uh, the cost of doing business, what that actually costs to, to uh, the public and the taxpayers. So just leaping off of that point, right? So we're talking about the sort of the raison d'etre, if you will, of Parks and Rec. They're, the mission uh, where a lot of these professionals are coming from hasn't, uh, you know, wavered at all in the last little bit. And Jamie, you're fond of saying that everybody who works in Parks and Rec, huge social service hearts, they want to give back to their community, but we find ourselves if we're talking about the parks and rec industry in a little bit of a complex situation, uh, some people view it as, you know, uh, more than just a little complex. Um, what are some of the prevailing habits, attitudes that you guys think have contributed to this? Um, you know, I guess I'll use a, a politer term here, I guess, stagnation, if you will, right? Where expectations continue to go up or, you know, they continue to, to not dip, whereas uh, the Parks and Rec, what, what people can, uh, you know, be provided with has maybe flatlined a little bit in certain places. What do you think's contributed to that? Um, well, <laughs> complicated. Um, <laughs> complicated. I think if we're going to focus specifically on our providers, right? Our departments, our districts, our organizations, our public park and rec systems. And we're focusing on the public sector here. Um, a lot of it is complacency and apathy, frankly. Um, and that's probably a hard thing for people to hear and they may not agree. Um, but in my walks and in my travels, I see a lot of that. And it's um, a reluctance to connect policy decision-making with reality. Mm -hmm. Right or wrong, good or bad, that's what I see. There's a disconnect between accepting the realities that we're facing and trying to figure out how we establish policy, procedure, guideline, operational planning with reality. 
Um, the reasons, the core, right? The symptoms are what they are, uh, but the problem could certainly stem from we've always done it this way. You know, we have the proverbial we've always done it this way. We'll just keep doing it this way because it's the easiest approach. It's the easiest road to take. Um, I think some of it is intimidation and, and anxiety around what it means if we change the course, right? If we do things differently, what does that translate to? Unfortunately, we have folks that think, well, if we do things differently, that means my job. That means the service that I started 20 years ago may go away. Um, and I think that's human nature, right? There's mm -hmm. a, 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 a fear of change when in reality, I think what we're afraid of is what the change translates to. It's the unknown, right? Um, but, you know, that being said, it's still a hard pill to swallow when you're in a social service profession, which is what public parks and recreation is. And to then begin to infuse business principles that frankly haven't been adopted by the profession. It's not been the way we've thought about things or done things historically. And now we're going, okay, well, the money's not what it used to be. Um, society has changed dramatically. Our demographics are different. The economy's uncertain and, un and volatile. Um, environmental challenges are what they are. And we may have to just, in order to sustain ourselves as a profession, do things a little differently. And I think, again, that's change management, right? It's, a, it's not easy for many people to accept that they have to change the way they do things. And there's a nobility around social service, but in order to be social service providers, we may just have to embrace business principles a little bit more assertively, aggressively um, than we have in the past. You know, I, I want to continue a little bit on this thread of the fear of the unknown. And as Jeannie's sort of talking about this, Lisa, I see, I see you nodding your head. So again, from your experience, what contributes do you think to that fear of the unknown in terms of the parks and rec industry changing course a little bit or, you know, at the very least shaking things up in terms of the way they've been approaching some of their business practices, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was nodding my head because um, I think that is a, an underlying um, challenge for most professionals in the in the field. Um, I have been uh, a director of agencies for 25 years up until very recently, and I, I, I do see that a lot in a lot of my travels and a lot of my public speaking and trainings and workshops. Um, and it's not that people don't want to change. I think everyone loves the idea of change. They love the, the thought of, of what they would get at the end of a, of a great change management um, process. Uh, but, I, but I do believe it comes down to, a lot of times it comes down to politics, and I think Jamie alluded to that a bit, but I, I think a lot of times it comes down to being afraid um, afraid of making the hard decisions, knowing that there's, there's some very difficult choices that have to be made, and that ultimately, because we are in this noble profession, that uh, we have become, that we're attached to emotionally and professionally and in so many different ways, uh, and, and we see the good that we do in this profession, that it's very difficult sometimes to, to realign our focus into the places that we can best serve the community in the ways that we should be serving the community. And for every community, that is different. That is not a cookie cutter kind of approach, and it's not something that, eat, that uh, is, is a blanket approach that you can take across, the, across every agency. Everyone, every agency or every, uh, every community is very different in what their needs are. 
And a lot of times it's very difficult for uh, parks and rec agencies to be able to focus in on just what that is and be good at that instead of taking on the challenges of all the other social services that sometimes get 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 sort of dumped on on those uh, those agencies. So I see it being a, a, a difficult challenge to make hard decisions sometimes. And I completely understand that. I, I know where that comes from. Oh, absolutely. And it's not just in Parks and Rec, right? Making hard decisions and overarching changes to your structure, how you do business. I mean, it's not confined to social services in the business world, in the finance world, tech world, everywhere you look. You know, big change is hard, but there's a saying that I heard a long time ago that made an impact on me, which is, you know, change is actually inevitable. The world is going to keep spinning sort of thing, whether you want it to or not. It's the progress that's a voluntary action by people to sort of continue going. And I think that you said the nuanced approach to, um, you know, different agencies, right? It's, there's no blanket uh, approach. There's no cookie cutter approach. And you guys are, I know, very fond of saying that we're going to touch on that a little bit more later on in this podcast series. Let's end things off though, speaking of nuance, with a little bit of the other side of the coin. Uh, it's not all doom and gloom for Parks and Rec. I think there's actually a lot of good things going on. I think there's a lot of opportunities. So Jamie, why don't you start us off? What is getting you excited about the about where Parks and Rec is right now? Uh, there's, you know, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. I think we're at a tipping point. And I think this is an opportunity um, that's been laid at our feet and you're right. I mean, and this isn't necessarily just focused on public parks and recreation. I think if you look public sector wide, you look nonprofit sector, we have a lot of opportunity in front of us. This is an opportunity to change the face of the field for the better, to be more responsible. Um, you know, we may want to think about it as fiscally responsible, but indeed that's what it is. It's how do we best use the resources we have available to us recognizing that communities are more diverse than ever before. Um, we've got, you know, certainly high and heightened expectations, but that's because people depend on us, depend on us for services. And that's a great place to be, to be wanted, to be needed, um, is where public parks and recreation is at. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily uh, align with this notion that we're an essential service, but indeed, if we all recognize if public parks and recreation services went away, it would be catastrophic to communities, it would be catastrophic to young families, it would be catastrophic to older adults in our communities, it would be catastrophic not to go to a public space and feel free to, you know, read a book or walk my dog. I mean, we all know that, but sometimes that escapes us. You know, we, we get so um, focused in the moment that we recognize or we forget to recognize the fact that these kinds of services are critical to our, you know, forgive the cliche, but quality of life. Um, so as administrators, as professionals in this field, it's incumbent upon us to understand and recognize how important we are to systems, communities, and um, embrace the fact that now we have an opportunity to change the way we do things for the better and, and strengthen our legacy and strengthen the fact or strengthen our opportunities to be fiscally stable and um, be healthy organizations for the long haul. Lisa, what about you? What's getting you excited about the current state of Parks and Rec? Well, I think uh, I, I think there are there is an amazing group of up and coming professionals and some some really amazing uh, seasoned professionals out there. I think the effort, uh, and I'm not going to um, say everything that James said, um, but I think the effort here is to really enable the the professionals out there to 
uh, be able to, to create sustainable and um, sustainable organizations that can provide the kinds of services that they have in the past and, and to be able to give them a toolbox that they can access so that they, they, can, they, can, they can face these challenges in a way that is going to provide the best service delivery to the communities out there. We have an incredible group of professionals that just need uh, a little bit more um, business acumen potentially, um, some tools in their box to be able to perform as best as they possibly can. And with those tools, you know, they can put, they can go on to do some really great things, I, I think, in Parks and Rec. And, you know, as you said, just change everything, and it, or not everything, but, you know, make necessary changes for the better. Absolutely. I think that, um, I think it's the, the, the best thing possible is that it's this marriage between uh, the, the, the mission that we all know is important to communities, it's the thread of, of life in communities, parks, recreation, public service, with the, with the knowledge and the, the business acumen to make it the strongest and the most, uh, the, most, the most important piece of that thread of the community and to take that to the, to the next level so that it can sustain itself. For more great 110% podcasting content, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice.